At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And can I tell you something funny? What? It's not actually that funny. It's just that, like, without fail, every time we record an episode of Cryptid Keeper, even if I have literally spent the week doing research and it's my cryptid and we get on mic, I'm like, wait a second, is it my cryptid? Did I... (laughs) Did I prepare a cryptid for nothing? I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts that one of these days I will come to an episode either one completely unprepared for a week that is supposed to be mine, or I will show up and like start talking about a cryptid and you'll like interrupt me 20 minutes in and be like, that's nice, but it's my week. week." (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why that's like a specific anxiety of mine because I'm not a person who has a lot of anxieties, but it's the same specific kind of anxiety that like, When I worked at the coffee shop, every single, our schedule was on a Google calendar. And every single time I would check my calendar like four times on a day that I was scheduled up to and including as I was walking through the door to make sure that I was looking at the right thing. I don't know why, but like that specifically gets me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, that's better than one time at my museum job when I did not think I was scheduled and I got a call asking me if I was okay. That was my worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. This is not a good, this This is going to sound strange, but on the bright side, I was sick. But like, but on the bright right. side, I was sick. So I was able to be like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling well. And it wasn't a lie. So that's yeah. nice. <laughs> you could also be like, oh, I had fuzzy brain. So of course I didn't know. Anyway, um, here's a fun story. I'm going to put a former employer of mine on blast. Uh, looking at you, books a million. Oh, dang. Um, so one time. I, I, uh, for a very, very brief period of my life, I worked for Bucks a Million and, um, I went in and I had the interview and everything was great. And they were like, okay, cool. We'll follow up with you. Right. Because that's how corporate interviews work. Like they will call you back and let you know, oh, you got the job. Great. Everything. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, so like they contacted me and they were like, cool. Uh, everything looks great. Like we're going to move forward with hiring you. We'll be in touch like within the next few days. I was like, great, excellent, wonderful, except love it. Um, the next few days pass, no contact whatsoever from Books A Million. So like, of a Monday morning, I call them and I'm like, hey, this is me, just following back. Um, what's like the whole deal vis-a-vis employing me? And they were like, oh yeah, today was supposed to be your first day. Did nobody tell you? And I was like, oh no, nobody what? told me. Are you yeah, kidding? They s- let, me, let me just say this right now. Place was a hot mess. May very well still be a hot mess. Met some very cool people working there. Nothing but fondness for all of them. I believe some of them might listen to this show. I'm not positive. But if you do, hey, how's it going? You're very cool. You deserved better. Uh, but that's all I have to say about working for Bucks a Million. It did not get better from there. Friends, oh, no. let me tell you, if that is your first day on the job, run. Okay? It's not going to improve. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Oh, sorry, Val. <laughs> Val, 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 release please. the dirty cut. Val, please, please take my swear out. I, I have been having a juice on my swear and my swear button. Is Val, I also more... need you to bleep out the word juice. Addison, really quick, say juice. Like, let's just get a clean cut of you saying juice in like a tone that doesn't match. And then Val can just paste that over. Deuce. I thought what? maybe. Did you, <laughs> didn't you just tell me to do that? I said juice. Did you with a J? Did you? It sounded like you said deuce. I thought you said deuce. Juice. No. Why would I say that? I, went... <laughs> <laughs> I thought Is that was say... supposed to be the substitute for the bad word I said. I've been no, drinking juice. Substitute for alcohol. Juice. I've been drinking lots of juice. Lots of podcast <laughs> juice. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a really bad start. Listen, if this is the beginning of your podcast, run in the other direction. It will not improve. Alex, 
Um, I hope it will get better from here because that's my <laughs> responsibility. Here we go. <clears throat> what is it? Today I bring you a friend okay. called the Nahuelito. One more time. The Nahuelito. Nahuelito? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know anything about Nahuelito? I don't know what that is. I'm assuming the Edo t- tends to mean it's, is, is it little? Um, it's not that little. <laughs> okay. But that's a good guess. Just <clears throat> the Edo sub- suffix. Yeah, that is simply what it means. But Nahuelito is a lake monster reported to live in Nahuelwapi Lake, Patagonia, Argentina. Oh, very cool. I don't know if we've done one yeah, in Argentina so sort of yet. The, sort of the, yeah, I know. Sort of the Patagonian Nessie. That's like a, a, a comparison that will be drawn multiple times. Yeah, sure. I'm so down. like Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, the Argentine creature is named after the lake it resides in and has been described as a giant serpent or a huge hump, as well as a plesiosaur. Mm. So, you know, like with most lake monsters, honestly... I wanted to cover this one because it's fun and there are some sightings, but if it, not to say if you've seen one lake monster, you've seen them all, but the descriptions do get very similar after a while. It's like, well, it's either a plesiosaur or a giant serpent. We don't know, but it's one of the two. And then all of them basically come down to that. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating about lake monsters usually is the cultural significance and impact that surrounds them. Mm, very good. So I'm very pleased you know. by plesiosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. I think they're fun. <laughs> they are fun. They're a good time. So let's get some history from Wikipedia, a oh, please. reliable source as ever. Here's a fun fact, actually. A fun fact about this particular Wikipedia article is that it is one of the Wikipedia articles, which has a warning on the top of it. It says, this article has multiple issues, which, like, same. <laughs> but... I always really enjoy this one, which says, This article may present fringe theories without giving appropriate weight to the mainstream view. (laughs) I'm like, I mean, yeah. It is an article on a lake monster. Yeah. I mean, caveat emptor at that point, right? Seriously. In any case, Wikipedia says that the origin of the current legend is believed to go back to indigenous stories prior to the period of the conquest of America. Which, like, don't they always... Something we do have to continuously grapple with in this field and on this podcast, mm-hmm. and I hope we continue to grapple with and get better at grappling with as time goes on, mm-hmm. is the fact that very frequently, when we are talking about fun critters like this, uh, there is a desire or a tendency for the cultural context to, like, quote-unquote, legitimize it somehow by saying this dates back to indigenous legends. In this case, I'm going to go ahead and cut straight to the chase and say, that's probably not true. We don't have anything on Nahuelito dating prior to 1922, and most of the actual sightings and data come from the back half of the 20th century. So in this case, it's almost definitely false. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) But supposedly, again, according to Wikipedia, the first explorer obtained from the natives of the place legends about the occasional encounters with aquatic monsters, which is also what I would tell somebody if they were trying to move in on my neighborhood. In 1897, Dr. Clemente Onelli, director of the Buenos Aires Zoo, began to receive sporadic reports about a possible strange creature inhabiting the Patagonian lakes. In 1910, George Garrett worked at a company located near the Nahuelhuapi. After navigating the lake and about to disembark, he could see a creature about 400 meters away, the visible part of which was between 5 and 7 meters long and protruded about 2 meters above the water. Hmm. Commenting on his experience with local people, Garrett learns similar stories were told by the indigenous people. Again, supposedly. But Garrett's sighting in 1910 was only made public in 1922. So here's where we have evidence of it. Anything prior to this point is anecdotal, exclusively. Right. In 1922, he recounted it to the Toronto Globe newspaper and echoed in the international press, thus motivating himself to organize the first expedition to search for Nahuelito. Heck yeah. Let's go. I know. I love a good expedition. What a gosh darn good time. (laughs) Gee whiz. (laughs) Apparently, and I find this very fun, the Buenos Aires Zoo has been attempting to collect evidence of a plesiosaur in Argentina's Patagonian Lake since 1922 under the patronage of Clemente Onelli. But no consequential evidence was found. So regrettably, that expedition remains um, indecisive. Mm, dang. Inconclusive. That's what I meant to say. I knew what you meant. Anyway, uh, the small lake where the presence of the creature was claimed is known today as Laguna del Plesiosaurio. Mm. Or the Plesiosaurus Lagoon. <laughs> More recently, in 1960, the Argentine Navy was said to have chased an unidentified underwater object in the lake 
for 18 days. Oh my god. <laughs> without being able to identify it. Hence it being an unidentified object. Which some people related to the alleged creature. I mean, 18 days. 18 days is a long time. <laughs> In 1988, photos of the Napolito were published in a magazine of the Rio Negro newspaper. These were taken at a short distance with an analog camera, in which the object was near the coast of Berloche. It is not a log of whimsical shapes. It is not a wave. El Napolito showed his face, <gasps> said a man who did not reveal his name in a letter he left with the photos. Oh. I would like... It is not a log of whimsical shapes to be the tagline on every sea creature movie from now on. Yes, please. It is not a log of whimsical shapes. <laughs> it is not a wave. It is Sharknado 7. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't want Actually, I think I just want that to be the tagline on every movie. It doesn't matter if it's even vaguely aquatic. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's not a log of whimsical shapes. Tokyo Drift. I was just about to make a Fast and the Furious joke. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw too. It's not a log. <laughs> oh, goodness. Why stop there? Use it to market absolutely everything. New from Trader Joe's. Pumpkin spice flavored JoJo's. It's not a log. <laughs> it's not a log of whimsical shapes. <laughs> it's not. Um, I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think we're on to something. Do you dare here. me to make that my Tinder bio? <laughs> I really think you should. It is, it is not a log of whimsical shapes. It's me. Me pointing at a bench. It's, it's me, your new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm sorry please tell me what you were gonna tell me i don't even know at this point i was probably gonna tell you something about a log may or may not be whimsical well, no, there were there were photos of its face oh no that was it it was that was just like the letter that the guy left oh. with the photos <laughs> there were these photos of navalito and the guy left this letter that said it is not a log of whimsical shapes it is not a wave navalito has shown its face oh it's so good which is such like I don't know, such an intense ultimatum to leave behind with some blurry Polaroids. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> In fairness to that guy, he like did anticipate every possible counter argument, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not a log, don't say it's a log. It's not. It just isn't. <laughs> okay? I know what you're gonna say, you're gonna say it's a log and it's not a log. <laughs> That's uh, it's sort of like when somebody insists that they're really nice or when someone refers to themselves over all the time as an empath. It starts to make me think that maybe Ugh. it's in fact the opposite of what you said. I was going to say it's like when I make a tweet on Twitter that's like clearly a joke to me and then I recognize 20 seconds later that it is not going to be clearly anything to anyone else. And I have to add 16 replies underneath being like, before you give me any advice, I'm not actually looking for any input on this tweet whatsoever. It's not a log of whimsical shapes. <laughs> so what, hap what, happened, what happened next? What happened next? That's a great question. <laughs> to answer it, let's hop over to the cryptids wiki. Ah, uh, home sweet home. Home sweet home. Somehow we always end up here. Home's the place that uh, when you go there, they have to take you in and tell you about cryptids. <laughs> you can quote us on that. Navalito is a lake monster reported to live in Nahuelhuapi Lake, Patagonia, Argentina. So it is also called Argentina's Champ, or Argentina's Messi. Oh. Named after the lake it resides in, etc, etc, etc. Navalito has been allegedly shown through photos showing a hump or a serpentine body. The confusion here is whether, of course, the hump is like a domed back, or whether it is like arches in a more serpentine sort of situation. Mm. So I, I like if you were to see the entire creature at once, obviously it would be very hard to confuse like a plesiosaur with a big snake. Right. But if all you could see was sort of like this dome cresting over the water, then you would start to be like, uh, what am I seeing here? You know? Right. Absolutely. Not a log. That's for sure. <laughs> Press coverage for a cryptid in Patagonia began in 1922, but reports of Nahuelito date back just to the last decades of the 20th century. So the sort of like name and the coalescent identity surrounding this critter did not come about until well after the fact. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Navalito has received much attention as of late due to Sci-Fi Channel's investigative TV show, Destination Truth, airing a show about the creature during its first season. So if you've heard of Navalito before, that's probably where, if you're a Destination Truth watcher. Nice. If you're not, 
chances are you heard of it from some other place that was probably spurred on by Destination Truth, which kind of brought it into a cultural revisitation, shall we say. Hmm. That show, if you don't know, is hosted by a cryptozoologist named Josh Gates, who investigates mysterious creatures using high-tech gear in order to find evidence of the creature's existence or to disprove it entirely. What were you going to say? I apologize for cutting you Oh, you're fine. I don't even remember. Oh, no. The lag on Facebook Messenger calls is like the worst sometimes, because I will be starting a sentence and then I realize you said something and then I'm like, oh, wait, if I stop now... No, it's okay. Then it's... You know if it I mean? were that important, I would remember okay. it. <laughs> well, that's a lie I've told myself on many occasions. Listen, it's fine. Um, Destination Truth. Destination Truth. <laughs> According to the Sci-Fi Channel's website, one theory about the existence of the Napolito is that it is the product of a nuclear experiment gone Yes, wrong. yes, there's always one of these. I love this. <laughs> there's always one. <laughs> like, there's, you know what I mean? There's always a theory that's like, government experiment? Question mark, exclamation point. Oh, yeah, no, a hundred percent, especially when you get into, like, this Monster Island nonsense, Mm -hmm. you know, I love it. Gimme, gimme. Oh, here's a little bit more information about the mysterious photographs. Mm. April 17th, 2006, the local newspaper El Cordillerano reported that an anonymous photographer dropped off two pictures of what he said is Majolito with a note that read, and this translation says, it is not a twisted tree trunk, which I don't care for nearly as much. Not as fun, is it? It is not a wave. Nahuelito has shown his face. This, however, does include a little bit more information. Lake Nahuelhuapi, Saturday, April 15th, 9 o'clock. I am not giving out my personal information in order to avoid future headaches. Fair. <laughs> Which, again, is how I like to use Twitter these days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, unfortunately, not to be the bearer of bad news, mm. both photographs are a hoax. How do the you know? The first photograph... The first photograph, and I'm sorry, this is actually very funny, is just a size edit from the popular Loch Ness Monster picture. Are you kidding me? (laughs) My guy, my guy plagiarized his monster pictures? It's so funny. Actually, let me send you this picture right now. My guy plagiarized his monster pictures and he thought we wouldn't notice? He sent... It's like a photo. It's like a it's like a Nessie picture that has been shrunken down and photoshopped into a lake. But it's like clearly the exact same one that everybody has seen. <gasps> That's of like Nessie. like you're looking at this, right? That is. Let me look. That is the equivalent of like. Oh my god. That and is, you can even see too if you zoom in. Like the pixelation is a little. I bit can tell anyway. that it has been. I'm like. I'm, it's so funny. I'm. A, I'm a, not even amused. I'm angry that this person thought they could send this to cryptozoologists and that they would not notice. They also made it look so small. It's like if you photoshopped <laughs> your face, like if you took one of the most iconic, like one of the iconic, if you took like the picture of the Beatles walking across the road, right? Uh-huh. And you put your face over Paul McCartney's face and then you sent it to the newspaper and was like, I was a secret member of the Beatles. Like no one would notice that you have just altered an iconic photograph. <laughs> On that note, I do have to just derail very slightly. If you have never watched it, there are haters who would refer to it as a mockumentary made with the intention to disparage. I choose to believe it as gospel truth. The documentary, Paul McCartney Really Is Dead, The Last Will and Testament of George Harrison. It is phenomenal. That's all I'm going to say. If you're not a Paul McCartney truther like me, you probably won't appreciate it, but it may make a believer out of you. Alex, no. (laughs) Um... I've spoken before on this podcast about the fact that I sometimes actively choose to subscribe to certain belief systems, which will never impact my life in any meaningful way. Mm -hmm. That is one of them. Do you think, do you know the Avril Lavigne thing? I do. Okay. If anyone doesn't know, there's this, there's this conspiracy theory uh, that Avril Lavigne uh, died and was replaced with a lookalike. And I don't know how I feel about it, but I do know, I do know multiple people in my real life that, genuinely believe it to be true that's essentially paul mccartney theory too and there is a whole document there is a whole entire documentary on it oh i infected you with my swearing i'm sorry you did you gave me swear disease (laughs) it's a real bad brain it's a real darn bad garbage mouth oh no um (laughs) um anyway i do highly recommend 
Paul McCartney really is dead, the last will and testament of George Harrison. Um, it's a cinematic triumph. Oh, very good. And that has nothing to do with Nahomi, though. No? But I, but I am glad that you have seen this picture and that you feel the same way about it that I do. Listen, folks, cryptozoologists may be desperate. We're not that desperate. Yeah, exactly. Like, the audacity. Like, listen. We'll believe blurry pictures of, like, somebody's foot, and we'll believe, like, pictures of logs and shadows and, like, weird, like, water, weird formations in the water, but come on, are you really gonna, you're gonna reuse, that's like if you, that's like if you took that one Bigfoot picture and you sent it into someone and you were like, look, I found a picture of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Well, I was gonna say, I think that's what makes it worse, is the fact that, like, it's not like we're working with an astronomical database of information here, my guy. There are like six pictures we've all seen. Yes. <laughs> There's like six of them. We're going to recognize it. <laughs> you couldn't even just fake your own picture. What happened to what happened to innovation? What happened to creativity? What's going on in this world that we can't even that we can't even fake our own original cryptid pictures anymore? We have to steal. Yeah, like I respect a hoaxer as much as the next guy. That's an important part of our history. But if you can't even be bothered to put in the work, I'm a, like I'm, I'm I'm offended. Yeah, it's um it's a shame to the cause. I'm glad really. this guy didn't include his information because otherwise he'd be getting a strongly worded letter from me. <laughs> <laughs> we at the Crypto Keeper podcast would be reaching out to have some things to say. Speaking of things to say, uh-huh. we have an incoming transmission. Oh, beep, 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 beep. This one actually is specifically for you, Addison. So hang on. Oh, oh. let me send it over to you so that you can, uh, so that you can deliver it for us. It's for me to, to receive or for me to read? Yes. Oh, oh no. Okay. Did you send it to me? I did, yes. No. Okay. (laughs) This message is from... Do I say who it's from? Yeah. This message is from Val again. (laughs) Hee hee. This message is for me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. So there's some directions that came with this one. Once upon a time, a very spooky thing happened. It involved a, a doll. The doll said... I'm just a little haunted Victorian doll. I told her that she owned and was rad. Her whole life slapped. I wanted her life, after all, as I said. (laughs) It was rad. We started to vibe hard and played Luigi's Mansion on GameCube together. The end. Thanks, Val. Folks, that is just one possible usage of your incoming transmission. Uh, one which our audio editor, whom we pay, <laughs> has spent hard-earned dollars that, to that. give to all of you. Um, that's a truly wild thing. You can, in fact, get an incoming transmission from all of us by going to the Lunar Light Studio website <laughs> and clicking on the incoming transmissions form. You can send either a personal incoming transmission, which is a message between you and a friend or a family member or to a loved one, or I guess the hosts of this show who may or may not be your employers. You get up to 350 characters and apparently Val has some excellent advice on how to use every last one of them perfectly. Yeah, that was... um. That happened, huh? <laughs> or you can have us uh, advertise or pitch your project, your creative work, your business, your Shark Tank idea. We could be like a little skywriter for you. Mm, like a skywriter, except on a podcast and with like words. Like a skywriter, except on a podcast. And with spoken words. Maybe you have a skywriting business and you want us to advertise that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Any kind of business. Anyway, you can, we will turn your money, alchemy-like, into words out loud. That's a gift that we have. (laughs) And by gift, I mean you do pay money for it, so. Yeah, you know, like a gift that you pay money for. Like a gift, except you're buying it. (laughs) A product, even. So not at all like a gift. (laughs) No, more like a service, which is literally exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's that incoming transmission, huh? Thanks, Val. So that's an incoming transmission. Yep. Thank you, Val, for... Giving us back the money we paid you so that I would say that. <laughs> if you're trying to buy yourself a raise, it's worth <laughs> <laughs> So 
All right. Wait, so <clears throat> one of the pictures was proven to be a hoax because of that, but was the other picture a hoax? The other picture apparently was a hoax, although the reasoning behind it, it didn't include the picture. It just said, was clearly made by people. So I don't know what um, that means. I would like to be the judge of that, and I resent that they did not allow me to look and to make that decision for myself. Yeah, kind of rude. Although, to be fair, if one of the pictures you took was extremely accurate, why would you Photoshop Nessie into another one? For the laugh. For the bit. I guess. For yeah. the fun. No, listen, that's true. I get it. As somebody who confessed literally just before we hit the recording button of the lengths to which I will go to fulfill a bit, I guess I can't really, I can't really talk. No. <laughs> but I will talk about Navalita. Yeah. So let's go to Patagonia-Argentina.com. Reality or fiction? A reliable observation or a clever joke. Once again, we are faced with the dilemma of taking sides in a matter that historically has generated controversy. Does the aquatic creature known as Nahualito exist in the Nahualwapi Lake? Or has it ever existed? <gasps> well? At times, we are inclined to think that this is another marketing tale. Marketing tale is in bold, for some reason. But the repetition of comments in favor of the existence of this, again in bold, Patagonian version of the Loch Ness monster. The considerable number of expeditions devoted to find it, I know of one, but that's fair, and the fact that 50% of the inhabitants of Beraloche believe in Nahualito, according to a poll, imposes on us at least the duty to address this matter seriously. It is clear, in spite of the strong assertions about the existence of Nahualito, that this issue presents us with all signs of a legend. Let's go through the different hypotheses for and against the veracity of the tale. I love this article because it sounds like something you would write in a 300 level English class. Honestly, yeah. <clears throat> Here we go. Nahualito is a prehistoric animal. This is the most popular theory. Well, yes. According to it, the origin of the creature would go as far back as prehistoric times, which is what you would expect from a theory called Nahualito is a prehistoric animal. Are you telling me that a prehistoric <laughs> animal is from prehistoric times? That is what the evidence would lead us to conclude. Mm. Nahualito would be a variety of the plesiosaurus. In principle, this hypothesis seems to be the most sensible one. But nevertheless, it does not resist the proven fact that the lakes where the mythical animal would wander were formed in a geological stage that came after the extinction of the species referred to. Ooh, the lakes are old I know, enough. Right? That's a fun detail. It is a fun detail that I feel like could have been presented in a much less roundabout way. Listen. <laughs> but I love it. I love the artistry in this article and I support yeah. it and I don't want for a second to let anybody think that I don't. Please don't <clears throat> quash the creative vision. Thank you so much. <laughs> Theory number two. Nahulito comes from a mutation. Mm. This rather original version suggests that Nahulito is the unexpected result of a mysterious mutation produced by nuclear experiments carried out in the 50s on Huemul Island. Mmm. Mmm. Interesting, I say. Mm. Theory three, Nahulito is actually a submarine. I'm sorry. Would you like me to read it again? Yes. Nahulito is actually a submarine. This freak explanation attributes the apparitions to a small underwater vessel of unknown origin, pursued by the Argentine Navy in the 60s. Hmm. The physiognomy of this mechanical device might have been mistaken because of its appearance for the aquatic creature. Hmm. Finally, other hypotheses explain that what clumsy or imaginative eyes did not hesitate to call Nahulito would actually be floating logs. Accumulated organic matter in a state of putrefaction, gas bubbles agitating the surface, or even sheep herds crossing the lake by swimming in its shallow part in search of better grass, which, seen together, looked like a large swimming animal. Nahulito is likely to have identity conflicts by now. Mm. Theories nurturing the existence of Nahulito evidently continue under the veil of ambiguity. They have never been scientifically demonstrated and probably never will. But it is curious that the great majority of tales coincide with the description of an animal of about 10 to 15 meters long, with two hunches, leathery skin, and, occasionally, a swan-like neck. 
It is striking that this characterization is so similar to the descriptions made by the Mapuches 200 years before. Hmm. The legacy of Aboriginal legends about an aquatic creature, the Mapuches would call it cuero, Gambling in the waters of Nahuelhuapi was recovered in the early 20th century. And again, this is all anecdotal coming to us from George Garrett in 1910, relayed to the world in 1922, etc, etc, etc. But in 1910, George Garrett was the manager of a company that sailed the Nahuelhuapi Lake. One day he saw an animal that, according to his testimony, and this is a direct quote, seemed to have a 15 to 20 foot diameter, projected perhaps six feet over the water and remained in sight for 15 minutes. 15 minutes. That's a long time, right? Yeah. Also, I want to talk about 15 to 20 foot diameter. Yeah, that's... 15 to 20 foot circumference is big. Diameter is massive. 15 to 20 foot diameter is inconceivable. I mean, it's conceivable. I just don't want to conceive it. (laughs) Can you conceive it? I cannot. I can conceive it. I do not wish to. (laughs) (laughs) Can is different than won't. (laughs) Polite company prohibits me from conceiving of it. The mind will not allow. The rules of polite society indicate that we must not conceive of this (laughs) diameter. One's mind boggles at the notion. (laughs) Uh, This article became public only in 1922, published by the Toronto Globe, blah, 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 blah. By that time, stories about the existence of aquatic monsters were in fashion due to widespread media coverage given to Nessie, the Loch Ness Beast. So this article, uh, if I'm reading between the lines, and I like to think that I am, I so frequently do, um, I believe this individual is postulating, perhaps, Mm. that uh, this experience only got picked up as widely as it did because it was sort of riding on Nessie's coattails. Mm, Taking advantage of the cultural moment. Exactly. I don't presume to know or to assume that this author's intent would be to disparage George Garrett and his experiences by implying perhaps that they were fabricated to satiate a cultural hunger. But I suppose one could draw that conclusion. (sighs) Never. Scandalous. Certainly not. Far be it from us to impugn the honor of Mr. Garrett. How dare you? I wouldst never. (laughs) Anyway, in that year, the first expedition to find Nahuelito was conducted by the Buenos Aires Zoo Superintendent Jose Hyagi. After the distinguished American gold digger and former Sheriff Martin Sheffield informed him about the prince to the zoo director, Dr. Clemente O'Nelli. Now, I'm really intrigued by the phrase distinguished American gold digger and former sheriff. Did they? St- I think it mm. does mean a literal gold digger. Oh, but what if it didn't? We don't know that, Alex. <laughs> we can't know that. He's looking for two things: um, a lake monster and a rich husband. <laughs> uh, I hope he found both. Me too. Honestly, me too. I do actually. I am actually glad that the zoo was not able to find uh, the creature because I, I don't. I don't feel that it belongs in a zoo. Let it be free. I, I concur. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Can I tell you one more interesting thing about um, former Sheriff Sheffield? You can tell me as many interesting things about former Sheriff Sheffield as you want. <laughs> well, there are not that many interesting things about sheriffs, but this one is fascinating. <laughs> he had arrived in Patagonia following the trail of the famous bandits Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, right? I think more westerns should have sea monsters in them. I I agree. Sorry, lake monsters, lake monsters at the very yes. least. Get it right, Alex. Um, lake monster in this case, but it doesn't change the fact that more of them could stand to have sea monsters. That's true. They should have sea monsters. They should have all kinds of aquatic dwelling monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think the only issue you'd run into there is that westerns tend to be lacking in natural bodies of water. Yeah, that is true. But, you know... Maybe like I'm a not trying to... dive bar monster then. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. Oh, well, you know, they do call them, they call bars watering holes sometimes. Uh-huh. So 
It's kind of the same thing. There you go. There you go. I mean, I'm a real, I'm a real dive bar monster. If you, if you catch my drift, I don't know what I <laughs> mean. I don't know what I mean. So I don't know what means your AO. <laughs> I know not what means your AO. <laughs> I made an insinuation without being super clear about what I was actually insinuating. And I still don't know. Ask not for whom the hay owes. It owes for thee. It owes for thee. I'm an enigma. No one tried to change that. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> what happened next? Apparently, from that moment on, the expeditions to capture Nahualito did not stop. Oh. Despite the permanent complaints from animal protection associations, which opposed to the incursions of hunting groups on the shores of Nahuatlapi. That's fair. I am inclined to agree with the Animal Protection Associations in question. I am as well. But the fact that these ventures have never obtained positive results doesn't mean beliefs that affirm the existence of Nahuelito had expired. They are based on the sightings of several people and non-conclusive photographic documents. The mystery remains. (laughs) Either an object of knowledge or imagination, the Nahuelito enigma is a healthy excuse to keep a man's curiosity awake. Ah, <laughs> no, it's it's a very strong statement. Nahuatl waters, surrounded by important tourist destinations such as Berloche and Via La Angostura, invite us to explore their secrets. Mm. So there you have it, one very long and colorfully crafted pitch for Patagonian tourism, replete with photographic evidence. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That article, incidentally, is ty- is entitled The Nahuelito Enigma, and I am a very big fan. I'm a fan of that as well. I quite like that. I think it's exceptional. I, I could not like, find a byline, yeah. regrettably, but I would like to know who wrote it. I would too. Reveal big yourself, fan of mis- their work. mysterious writer. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I quite like that. I was thinking the other day of how much I like lizards. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah? Were you know, <laughs> as I do, I just tend to... Um, one of my girly things. Yeah, I like to sit on my bed uh, in my little sock feet and kick my legs and talk on my road and talk on my old school rotary phone about how much I love uh, about how much I love lizards. And uh-huh. as I was doing that, I was thinking about uh, just or rather, I was thinking about that just now because I was thinking about how basically a lot of these are just are, are big big lizards, probably mm-hmm. or at least yeah, something true. similar. And I was just thinking that there's nothing there's nothing like pithy or super clever coming it's just that i like lizards and a, a lot so and those are little and so a big lizard i'd probably like a whole lot and that's the yeah. that's the conclusion if you like little lizards a little i think you'd love big lizards a big exactly <laughs> i i was thinking about the fact that like bearded dragons are super friendly and they like hang they can hang mm-hmm. with people and I was just thinking about how nice it would be to have a lizard that could hang with people, but that also was like big enough for you to ride on its back and you could it could swim around in the water with you on its back. Oh, that would be nice. And it's your friend and 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 your friends and you ride on its back in the water and your friends. Yeah, also it's your friend. <laughs> and also it's your That's friend. like my favorite thing about it is like how it's your friend. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about it too. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> Things are times are hard these days and sometimes an active fantasy life is one of the best ways to stay sane. So mm-hmm. if you'll excuse me, I'll be thinking about the giant lizard in the water in Patagonia and how it can yeah, be so my like friend. Yeah, so if you're real stressed out, um, one thing I recommend is thinking about big lizards. <laughs> thinking about big water lizard and, and if it was your friend and you were friends and you rode on its back and you were friends. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's the important part is the friendship. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I had no I had no conclusion. People are going to hate this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let them hate. <laughs> oh goodness. <clears throat> okay. This article comes to us from patagonianmonsters.blogspot.com. Okay. Which is as you may have guessed a blog about Patagonian monsters. Mm. Ah, sorry. It is actually a guide to Patagonia's mythical and real monsters and legendary beasts. Perfect. So I misrepresented slightly. Um, this article is on Nahuelito, of course. <clears throat> anyway, it sort of uh, starts by offering some incidences of sightings and and circumstantial evidence, which we have already covered a lot of it. Again, the anecdotal sort of indigenous legends thing, which again we have already eliminated the need for. 
we have progressed past the need for such things on this podcast. Of course. However, it does include one that um, we did not cover elsewhere. It mentions, of course, the 1910 report, which was then reported in newspapers in 1922. But it also includes one which says there was a sighting at Lake Gutierrez in 1938, just 16 kilometers or about 10 miles from the town of Bariloche. However, it is cited in unreferenced articles and we could not corroborate it, unfortunately. Um, no reports were published until the late 1970s when one placid midday in February 1976 by the Parque Hotel close to Bariloche, Achilles Lumfre said he saw on the calm lake at about 1.6 meters, one mile, from the shore a whirlpool and an, quote, enormous animal with a dark back and long neck with a snake-like head, it then submerged. Mm. 11 years later, he saw its body again. <gasps> Two sightings, same guy. Nice. How lucky. Yeah. I know, right? Now, here is something fun. I always love when we get a second or third hand account, which is from somebody who has a direct relation. And the author of this blog says, In autumn 1976, my parents' friends, Coca and Vincent Trussell, saw something unusual. Mm -hmm. Their home overlooked the lake, and she had seen strange things in the past, but had explained them as currents, winds, etc. This time, she saw something odd. Just one kilometer closer to Bariloche, Trussell's friends Bill and Hilda Rumble saw the same thing at the same time. They all agreed that the critter always turned up in February. Huh. Hilda Rumble's sighting was published in March 1978, and she recalled that it was a beautiful fall afternoon. The lake was very calm. She says, Something odd was crossing the waters at a considerable speed, leaving a great wake. She and her husband looked at it through binoculars and noticed what seemed like a long swan's neck. Then it turned toward the coast and took on the appearance of a post, and then it disappeared in the midst of a great stirring of water. Hmm. She judged its size as being about 5 meters or 16 feet. Wow. In May of 1979, people by the lake reported seeing something moving in the water about half a kilometer from the shore, or about 1,600 feet, estimating its size as, again, 5 meters. Others believed it was just a tree trunk. During the 1980s, a local reporter, Carlos Bustos, named it Nahuelito. And that's where the name comes from. Oh, that's awesome. I just, what an awesome, what a pain in your legacy to have been the person to coin the name of like a local monster yeah, like that. I, that's so wonderful. I hope I get to one day. I know. That's like the dream. <clears throat> in October of 1986, Ms. Stella Meris Lopez saw an oversized animal with a snake-like triangular head and a pair of scale-covered humps. In December 1986, an engineer, Guillermo Varzi, while returning in a speedboat from a picnic at Bahia Lynch on Cuetrohue Peninsula, saw something moving at about 25 or 30 kilometers per hour, which is about 15 to 18 miles per hour. Huh. His daughter Martina took a photograph which was published at Diario Rio Negro, and he said that, at first I thought that it was a submarine. Then I saw a serpent head and behind it black fins like those of a dolphin or a shark. Nice. Yeah. In November 1987, Jose Alicia and other 26 staff members of the Centro Atomico Bariloche saw the dark back of an animal in the lake close to Playa Bonita. Also in 1987, 1987 was busy, a former pilot of Austral Airline, Alfredo Julio Paso, captain of the tourist vessel Paisano, saw a head like that of a black snake. <laughs> Local newspaper Rio Negro, which we've alluded to a couple times, actually. A few of these other sightings were also published in the same daily paper. Reported They've on got January that lake monster beat. <laughs> they have, they're on it, man. Reported on January 22nd, 1988, a sighting that occurred right in front of the city of San Carlos de Bariloche, close to the city hall. A group of workers of the telephone company, a firefighting brigade, and an employee of the forest department all people upon whom I would place the utmost level of trust. Yeah. Saw, uh, they were all witnesses of the creature. They saw a great wake of froth in the lake, about 15 meters long. And at its tip, there was a dark spot similar to an animal's back. Hmm. Despite using binoculars, they could not make out what it looked like. The forest department employee said that she had seen two humps. And when using binoculars, she saw a great dark splotch that moved at great speed. Ha! Huh. 
I know. It was seen again and filmed 11 days later. The short clip, whose author is unknown, showed something moving quickly across the waters of Lake Nakwakwapi, leaving a wake and at least two dark objects creating it. A witness at Playa Bonita noted its angular head of a giant snake and the look of an antediluvian animal. Mm. In 1989, a group of tourists led by Isabel Mueller saw a creature 20 meters long moving under the water. One of the group, Jorge Brodo, photographed it and said it was similar to a submarine underwater, though its movement was too flexible. Hmm. In 1990, Buenos Aires Daily, Diario Popular, reported a sighting close to Isla Victoria, where witnesses saw a strange hump or animal's back. Huh. On the evening of January 1st, 1994, Jessica Campbell and Paula Hagarbe, while on the beach at San Pedro Peninsula with a calm lake, saw the animal appear close to the shore. It was as big as a whale, which is pretty big. Yeah. And and its back showed many humps, two small fins. They even heard it breathing. <gasps> what? I know. But like most sightings, they did not see its head. It reappeared twice. And when it swam straight toward Ms. Campbell as she sat on a rock by the shore, she ran away from it, which is fair. So yeah, there are a few other sightings here. Um, there's one in 2000, there's one in 2006, there's one in 2007, we have 2008, a couple in 2008. But yeah, this thing just keeps on going. That's crazy. That's so wild. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love its longevity. It is really fun. There are a lot of different theories on this one. Um, the one is... Of course, that the entire thing is just sort of a hoax, which is unfun. That's the least interesting explanation of all. Yeah, that's true. There are theories about like a specific type of wave that happens in lakes sometimes. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. So basically, there's this type of wave that's present in a lot of different lakes, but you usually don't notice it unless the like the water is really still and calm. So if there's a period where the water is really, really even, where you would notice like an unusual sort of aquatic phenomenon um it basically causes like an unexpected stirring in the water and a change in color which is what happens when basically you have a wind that's blowing in one direction for an extended period of time so all of the water sort of gets pushed in one direction toward one side of the lake like little by little sort of skimming off the top mm -hmm. and then when that wind stops it all sloshes back into place. Mm. So like if you've ever been in a bathtub and like moved back and forth, like, cause you're a little kid who understands that bathtubs are a place of recreation and fun and experimentation and scientific discovery. And even if your siblings and your parents don't agree with you, you think it's perfectly reasonable and valid to get water all over the bathroom floor. So maybe you slide back and forth like a couple of different times and you're trying to sort of create maximum peak on all of the amplitude of the waves that you're you know, discovering. Yeah, actually. Science is cool. Yes. Anyway, if you've ever done that or something like it, I mean, then you sort of are familiar with this phenomenon where yeah. you push all the water to one side really quickly and then it sloshes back and it makes waves on what would otherwise be a self-contained body of water. Right. It creates the patterns where there isn't really a natural cause for them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So what you would get is you would get these like oscillations across the lake that would look like humps. Mm. Apparently... At Lake Napafuapi's Campanario arm, this phenomenon is particularly noticeable due to its shallow end and its long, narrow shape. So you would be particularly susceptible to this kind of natural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. That's a theory, which I think is kind of an interesting one. Even if I don't think it's very fun, I think it's fascinating. Right. It is interesting. It's not as fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's another theory that bubbles of natural gas from an oil field suddenly released from faults that lie under the lake's bed could explain like froth and the wake of the water and like these dark patches that many observers see, the discoloration. Mm -hmm. That does make sense. Uh, this would coincide with a local belief, apparently, and take this with a grain of salt, that the mythical Nahuawapi monster appears during summer season on hot days and with absolute lack of wind. Which is all well and good, except that we did just read like multiple instances of sightings that occurred in the winter. Yeah, that one lady and, said like, it's late fall. always in February. Yeah. <laughs> So that doesn't track for me. Like, it really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. To me either. You could also have this, like, wave phenomenon stirring up sediments and organic matter, which would cause discoloration. Um, summer causes warming of the deeper water layers, which would maybe cause fermentation of organic matter lying on the shallow lake bed, which would cause, like, bubbling and decomposition. Mm -hmm. So you would get, again, sort of that, like, stirring up action in these discolored patches. 
That's also a perfectly valid explanation. Could be light refraction causing mirages on the water, which distort the size and shape of things. Um, there is also, of course, like some of the usual suspects. Could be, as previously mentioned, there was a theory about like sheep crossing the, the lake. And like, if you have multiple animals that are all sort of crossing at one time, then you would interpret them as like one thing if you had no context for what you were seeing. And so your brain would try to reconcile it into like one large animal and you would get something very weird. Mm -hmm. There is also apparently a theory that it's a specific type of manta ray. Oh. Yeah, apparently the um, shape and size of the creature as reported would be similar to those of freshwater stingrays. I mean, not really the snake-like head or the long, long neck. No, but I think maybe if you were seeing a stingray from side on, mm. instead of like front to back, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, shoot. Or maybe even mistaking the tail for a neck or something. Yeah. I can see that. I, I really, can see that. I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I would not be mad because I do love rays and a giant ray in a lake would be very cool. Yeah. It could also still be my friend. It could definitely also still like be Like, it doesn't friend. have to be a lizard to be my friend. That's true. You could have many friends that aren't lizards. Yeah. So I have, I already have so many friends that aren't lizards. I could add another one. <laughs> There's room for one more in your heart, perhaps. Just one. Anyone else after that, if you want to be my friend, you better be a lizard. You better be a lizard. Gosh, darn it. But I actually, I really, I do think that's fun. I like that. I appreciate the, because a giant ray is still like, I would say a kind of like lake monster, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That could work for me. Yeah. Not anyway. that they need my approval, but that could work for me. <laughs> In any case, that's the majority of the information that I have for you on Naholito. I think it's a fun pal. I hope you enjoyed it. It is fun, and I do enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I like lake creatures, and there's such an abundance of them because there are lakes everywhere and all kinds of, whether they're monsters or not, all kinds of, like, kind of fun, strange little small things happening in lakes all the time, and people notice them, and it gives life to these stories, and sometimes it's real, and sometimes it's probably not. I don't know, but... A vast majority of the surface of this world is water. So thinking about all the things that are in it is like an interesting way to spend your time. Lots of stuff lives in water. Mm-hmm. And that's just the truth. <laughs> that's just facts, baby. You can take that home. You can take it right to the bank. They won't give you anything in return, but they'll say, hey, thanks for that fun fact. <laughs> uh, now please get out goodness. of the bank. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for taking us on that fun trip. You're so welcome. And I think that was our first. I think that was our first Argentinian cryptid. So that's always fun to try new, to find new corners of the world to explore. Yeah. All right. So if that's everything, do you have any uh, final final thoughts? Mm, no, I think I'm going to let Napolito speak for itself. I think that's a good idea. I too will do that, whether it has the power of speech or not. <laughs> Actions do speak louder than words, after all. So that's true. So as always. We hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Gay.